Tonight we are concluding our study through the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know about you, I have really enjoyed our time together this fall. I'm so grateful to the Lord for the time that we got to spend together and that we got to spend in the Word of God. Each time we get a chance to open up God's Word, it really is a blessing. It has the power to transform our lives and it has an ability to make us into the image of Jesus Christ. So I'm grateful for the time that we got to spend together this semester in Galatians chapter 5. Tonight we're going we're gonna to wrap up our study and we're going to do a quick overview of the verses, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and following. And then we're going to walk in on a very practical side of things. We've talked all semester about what it looks like when you're walking with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, we said that the, the fruit of the Spirit is not a checklist that you do in order to become a good Christian. The fruit of the Spirit it represents what your life will look like when you are walking with the Spirit. It's really more of a mirror than it is a checklist. So all semester we've talked about the, the, the mirror of the fruit of the Spirit and what each of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit look like. Tonight we're going to look very practically at three very simple things about, okay, this is how we, we know if we're walking by the Spirit. What do we actually do in order to walk by the Spirit? When the Bible tells us to walk by the Spirit, when the Bible tells us to abide in Jesus, in a very practical perspective, what does that look like? What does that mean? And the reality is, is that each one of us has areas in which we can grow in this. None of us have perfectly been made into the image of Jesus Christ. None of us perfectly reflect the fruit of the Spirit every day at all times. And so each one of us, no matter if you are a brand new believer or if you have been walking with the Lord for a very long time, we all have areas in which we can grow and become more like Jesus Christ and ultimately allow him to produce more fruit in our lives. So let's jump in. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 says, I say then, walk by the Spirit. And you'll certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. Now we see there that there is a distinction, a dichotomy here between the spirit and the flesh. And they are at odds with one another. See, you cannot feed one without starving the other. You cannot feed both of them at the same time. You are either moving towards the spirit or you are moving towards your flesh. And he says, walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit. And the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you do not do what you want to do. The Bible here teaches that there is a war that is waging inside each person that is a follower of Jesus Christ. You have your flesh, your sinful nature, and then you have the spirit of God that is living inside of you. And they are at odds with one another. They are opposed to one another. The spirit and the flesh do not have the same intentions. They do not have the same goals. And as a believer... We're still living in this world. We're being made more and more into the image of Jesus Christ through a process that we call sanctification. We're being made more into the image of Christ. But we're not there yet. So as a result, we're moving towards the Spirit, but we're being pulled by our flesh, and we find ourselves being pulled in the middle. And this is the choice we make. Are we going to walk by the Spirit and then reap eternal life from the Spirit? Or are we going to reap destruction from our flesh? These are opposed to each other, so you do not do what you want. Now, the, the works of the flesh, we've been talking all semester about the fruits of the Spirit. This is the opposite of it. The works of the flesh, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambitions, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, anything similar. I am warning you about these things, as I've warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These things that you see here is exactly what you'll get every time you 
Invest in your flesh. Anytime you sow to your flesh, you will reap death and destruction. Now, we look around us every day, we see these things all around us. And some of them are easier to, to see than others. Some of them are, you see all the time and are very obvious when they, they, they are works of the flesh. They're very obvious to identify, where it be moral impurities, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery. But you start getting into jealousy, maybe outbursts of anger, selfishness, envy. Now, these are some things that maybe sound and look a little bit more like us more often than we'd like to realize. You see, the works of the flesh are not just evident out there in the world and amongst those who do not know the Lord. The works of the flesh are unfortunately evident a lot of times in our lives. And that is a mirror that is in our life that shows that we are not walking as closely with the Spirit as we ought to walk. But the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit. So when you invest in the flesh, that's what you get. But the fruit of the Spirit, when you walk with the Spirit, the fruit of walking by the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. He goes on to say in verse 24, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Now those are the things that as a Christian we used to desire and we used to want, but every day now the Lord is pulling us more along with the ways of the Spirit, and we are walking more with the Lord and hopefully growing in the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians, I believe, that we are not to lose heart, not to dismay. Though our outer bodies are decaying and wasting away, our spirit, our soul is being remade day by day by day. And the Bible says here that those who walk with Jesus Christ have crucified the passions, the flesh with its passions and desires. Romans says, Paul will write in Romans that we are to offer ourselves up as a daily living sacrifice. And that is our spiritual act of worship. Paul would write something similar in Galatians 2.20, just three chapters back, when he would say, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's exactly what he's saying here in verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, when you came to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's exactly what you did. And that's what we see with, with baptism. Every time you see somebody baptized, you see that they are buried with Jesus in likeness unto death. They were buried and they were raised to walk in newness of life. See, when you were saved, your flesh was crucified but it's something that we have to do day after day, moment after moment in this life. It's not a one and done type thing. This is something that we have to continually do each and every day because our flesh does not like the ways of the Spirit. The Spirit is against the ways of the flesh. And so as we walk with the Spirit, our flesh is not going to like it. It's going to pull against us. It's going to try to resist us. But we have to continually crucify our flesh. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. It's so simple what he says there and yet so hard for us to do on a daily basis and so hard for us to really wrap our minds around. But he's saying if you're going to live by the Spirit, walk with the Spirit. Do the things that the Lord does. Follow him. Follow in his footsteps. Jesus said it this way. We've read this verse many times. 
this semester in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father, he's the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. See, the Lord is gardening and pruning each one of us. All the branches in our life that are not producing fruit, the areas in our life where our flesh is winning, he's cutting those away and making room in our lives for a branch that can bear fruit. But even here it says that the the ones that do produce fruit, he's even pruning those as well in order to keep them healthy and allow them to thrive in order to produce even more fruit. See, until we ultimately get to heaven and we see the Lord Jesus face to face and we are made into his image. None of us are going to be made perfect in this life. We'll always have a a sinful nature that we're going to struggle with. Now, hopefully over time, as we walk with the Lord, that battle gets a little easier at times, but the battle is still there. You'll never be free of the battle in this life. But every day the Lord is faithful to prune us and to correct us and to help us to produce Verse 3, he says, you are already clean, you're saved because of the word that I've spoken to you. Now remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. So we've looked at these verses all semester and seeing what it looks like when we are walking with the Spirit. So tonight, as we conclude, I just want to answer the question very practically, how can we walk by the Spirit? When we walk by the Spirit, what does that actually look like? We know what the results are. They're love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says, against such things, there is no law. There's never a time when any of those things is wrong or not the right thing to do. But that's what it looks like. How do we get there? Now, the truth is, it's not complicated. You've heard these things. You know these things. But it's so often hard because our flesh does not want us to do these things. I want us to look at three very simple things that the Bible teaches and Jesus taught us through his ministry. If we are to walk with Jesus, abide with Jesus, walk with the Spirit, there are three things I believe that we need to do. The first is to pray. Now, I'm not talking about just praying before a meal or praying before you go to bed. I'm talking about really praying to the Lord. You know, Jesus modeled that for us in his life and his ministry. If there's anybody that we would think would not need to take time to pray, it would be Jesus, God himself on earth. But Jesus often, the Bible says, would pull away and retreat and go off by himself to pray. He would speak with the Father and he would gain strength from his relationship with the Father and he would pray to him. The Bible says that there are many things Jesus did in his ministry, but there were only, was only one thing that his disciples stopped and specifically asked to learn from him. And it was to pray. We read in Luke 11, 1 and 2 that says, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John also taught his disciples, and Jesus said to them, whenever you pray, say this, Father, your name be honored as holy. You know the rest of the the passage where it's the Lord's Prayer, and he gives them a model, an example by which they can pray, a template in which they are able to walk through their prayer requests and take their requests to the Lord. 
But why did the disciples of Jesus want to learn how to pray? It's because they saw Jesus pray and take it very seriously. Jesus would pray in a very disciplined way because he knew that it was the source of his strength and his direction while he was on this earth, connecting with the Father in that way. Brother Steve often says that if you love somebody, you're going to talk to them. If you never talk to somebody, you never try to go out of your way to say hello if you have the chance. If you never want to talk to somebody, it's hard to say that you actually love that person and that you care about that person. See, when you love somebody, you want to talk to them. You want to tell them what excites you. You want to have those conversations. You want to know what excites them. You want to hear about their, their sorrows and their troubles. You want to hear about their joys. You want to tell them what you're thinking. Not just because you want them to give the answer, but because you enjoy speaking with them. I remember this was made so clear to me one time. I was riding to Nashville for a, a meeting with Brother Steve. We left after a Sunday night service, and we are going and over the two and a half, three hours that took us to get to Nashville, to where we were going, he called Miss Donna probably five, six, seven times over the course of the, the ride, not for any purpose at all, all, other than just to talk to her and just to check on her. I remember one time he called and said, hey, what are you doing? She said, oh, I just got to Walgreens. I'm picking this, this, and this up, and, and just told what we're doing, and, and they talked for a moment. He said, all right, I, I love you. I'll talk to you later. Now, about 10 minutes later, he calls and says, what are you doing? He said, I'm still at Walgreens. <laughs> but it was such a beautiful picture of somebody that loved speaking to his wife. He just loved hearing her voice and loved talking to her. And that's exactly how we should be with the Lord. Not just praying when it comes to meals and, and when we're at church and when we go to bed, but communing with the Lord, having conversations with him each and every day and really loving it. Now, you've probably sung the song many times, but have you experienced it? Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. That calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne, makes all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. Have you experienced that? I'm not talking about a literal hour of prayer every day, but have you experienced that relationship? A bidding to come to the Father's throne and to lay your wants and your requests before him. In seasons of distress and grief, going before him and finding relief for your soul. And avoiding the tempter's snare, avoiding the temptations of the devil by going to the Lord and finding your strength from him. When you're facing a season of grief, where do you turn? When you receive the worst news of your life, where do you turn? When you receive the best news of your life, where do you turn? Do you run to the Lord with it? Do you want to talk to him about it? Paul would write to the Thessalonian church and he would say, Rejoice always, pray consistently. Other translations say, pray without ceasing giving thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you want to walk by the Spirit, if you want to abide with Jesus, the Bible says that you need to talk with Jesus. And Jesus not only taught us that we need to, to pray, but he told us that occasionally we need to take our prayer to the next level through fasting. Now, many of us don't like talking about fasting, and, and we don't like doing it a lot of times because it can be hard, but Brother Steve often calls fasting 
prayer in high gear. And it's simply giving up something in the physical sense in order to gain in the spiritual. Almost all, usually it's giving up eating and not eating for a certain amount of time and spending that time with the Lord in prayer. But there are other ways to fast, whether it be from from your phone, from your TV, from other things, giving something up in order to spend that time with the Lord. You see, Jesus doesn't just give us this as an optional weapon in our arsenal. The Bible teaches us that we are to pray, but sometimes we're to take it to the next level, and we are to fast and pray. Jesus said to his disciples, When you fast, don't be gloomy like all the hypocrites, for they disfigure their face so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. What he's saying is these people would would fast and they would make it obvious and they would make it look like they were so hungry and so tired from from their fast because they wanted people to look at them and say, wow, look at him, he's fasting. And Jesus says, if that's what you want, go for it, but then you have your reward in full. There's nothing more to it. It's just for show. But he says, but you, not if you fast, when you fast, there's an expectation there, when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face. So that your fasting is not obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret, he will reward you. The Bible says that when we fast, that the Bible, Bible teaches that Jesus always notices our fasting. We never fast and pray that the Lord does not recognize it, that he does not notice it. He will notice it. He will see it. And he will reward you. So if you want to walk with the Spirit, if you want to abide with Jesus, you need to pray. Not just praying before a meal, but really praying, having that fellowship, that communion with the Lord. The second thing the Bible teaches us in order to really walk with the Lord, we need to pray, but we also need to listen. We need to listen to the Lord. Listen to these words that Jesus said in John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Do you know the voice of the Lord? Do you hear the Lord speak? The Bible says that if we are followers of Jesus, that we will recognize his voice and he will speak to us and he will lead us. But we are to listen. And how do we listen? The main way to listen to the Lord is through the word of God. You see, the Bible doesn't just contain the words of God. The Bible is the very word of God. And that's an important distinction. It's not just that through certain parts of the Scripture and the red letters in the New Testament that those are the words of God. Rather, the entirety of Scripture is the Word of God. And every part of it is important for us as followers of Jesus Christ. I heard Brother Steve say one time, Do you want to hear God speak? Then read your Bible. Do you want to hear God speak out loud? Read your Bible out loud. Because when you read the Bible, you are reading the very words of God. But we don't just need to read God's word. We need to listen to what the Lord is saying to us through God's word. This is not a checklist thing that we just need to read our chapter a day, check the mark, and go on and live our life. We need to take time and really marinate ourselves in the word of God and hear what he's saying to us. Because here's the thing. He is speaking. Now, he's not going to be always shouting at us. A lot of times it's that still small voice, that whisper. But when we slow down and not just read God's word, but really listen to what the Lord is saying, we will hear his voice. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 that all scripture, not just the red letters, all scripture is inspired by God. 
And it is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What Paul is saying to Timothy there is that the Bible contains everything that you need to be complete in Jesus Christ. The Lord has given us everything that we need to grow and to develop as followers of Jesus Christ. And when we don't know what we're supposed to do, the Word of God has what it takes to lead us and show us the way. So if you want to walk with the Spirit, if you want to abide with Jesus, you have to read the Bible. But more than that, you have to listen to God's voice in the Bible. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 that the Word of God The Bible is living, it is active, effective, it is sharper than any double-edged sword. He gives an example of how that's so. You see, the sword can cut, cut us and make us bleed, but listen to what the Bible can do. It can penetrate as far as separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. See, when you really read the Bible, Dr. Rogers would always say that it would begin to read you. See, this is not just a casual reading of Scripture. This is really going in and listening to the voice of God. And the Lord will speak through his word. This is his word. And he will, through the Holy Spirit, bring it alive into your heart. And he will show you the way that you are to go. He'll be that voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, whether you turn to the right or to the left. Jesus said that when the helper, the Holy Spirit, would come, that he would guide us into all truth. And that's exactly what he does when we read the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit jumps it off the page, and applies it to our hearts. And he's at, the Word of God is even able to judge between the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. So if you want to walk with the Spirit, if you want to abide in Jesus, you need to pray and you need to listen to the Lord. The third, very simply, we also need to obey. See, when we speak to the Lord and we hear his voice and he speaks to us, the next thing we have to do is obey what he tells us to do. See, it's not enough just to know the right thing. If we want to truly abide with him, walk with him, like he says in Galatians chapter 5, we need to walk as he walked. If we're walking with the Spirit, living by the Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit. It's not enough just to pray and to listen. We need to obey there's a story, the first miracle recorded in Jesus' ministry, he was at a, a wedding and they had run out of wine and the story, the miracle, first miracle that we have recorded in scripture is where Jesus turned the water into wine at the, the wedding. One of my favorite verses in scripture comes from that account when the mother, Mary, the mother of Jesus is, is trying to help make things right and takes the, the workers and sends them to Jesus and she says this, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Such a simple thing. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And that's what we need to learn to do as well. Whatever the Lord tells us to do, we need to do it. Jesus said it this way, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Do you love Jesus? Do you want to abide with him? Do you want to walk with him? Then you will keep his commands. And how do you know his commands but to walk with the Lord in Scripture, reading Scripture, listening, really taking time to hear what the Spirit of God is saying through the Scriptures. Now, the number one way God speaks to us, I said, is through God's Word, but He also speaks, like we said, through the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit will never tell you something that is opposed to the Word of God. 
That's why it's so important for us to spend so much time and saturate our minds and our hearts with Scripture. So that when we hear the the voice of God, the Spirit of God speaking, we are able to, to know that it is the Lord speaking to us because it is in agreement with the Scriptures. When we start to recognize the works of the flesh in our lives, we realize that we are not walking with the Spirit the way that we should. We're not abiding in Jesus. And in those moments, we need to pray to the Lord, speak to him. We need to listen to his voice, and we need to do what he says. About two and a half years ago, I guess it was February of 2021, Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee, just on the other side of Nashville, was experiencing a real move from the Lord. They're having hundreds of people saved, thousands of people saved and baptized at their church. And they had a Tuesday night prayer meeting each week, and a group of, of us from the church, about 15 or 20 of us, went up one Tuesday night just to, just to see what the Lord was doing up there and get to experience what the Lord was doing up there. And I was excited to go, but I didn't really have a whole lot of high expectations for the night. And we got to the service, and, and it was a, a, pretty, a pretty large sanctuary, and I was sitting up on the, the left-hand side, kind of very close to the front. And the, as soon as the service started, we're sitting down, and as soon as the first song started, I felt the Holy Spirit of God speak to me very clearly. He said, I want you to go to the front of the room at the stairs, and I want you to kneel down, and I want you to pray. I remember thinking so clearly, ah, that's not me. I'm not going to do that. And just repeatedly, over the course of this, all happened over a few seconds. And the Lord said, I want you to go down, and I want you to pray. I said, Lord, I don't want this to be about me. That's going to make everybody look at me and wonder what I'm doing, draw attention to myself. He said, I want you to go, and I want you to kneel, and I want you to pray. I said, well, we're all sitting down, and I'd have to get all these people to stand up in order to get out. I want you to go. I want you to, to pray. Now, on their stage, they had a, a large LED wall, and so it's a big TV screen. And, and each uh, the way LED walls, like when you come to the same Christmas tree, there's these big screens on the stage made of LED walls. The way they work is they're, they're modular, so they're probably about one or two feet, and they're stacked together to make one large display. So where I was sitting... I was actually looking at the back of one of these displays. And I'll never forget, I looked at the back, and, and each of the, each of the, the, the LED uh, modules had, there's probably 50 of them on stage, and each one of them had two lights on the back, a red light and a green light. Now, working, having worked with those before in the past, I recognized that the red light was indicating that they had power, that they were turned on, and that the green light indicated that they had connection, that they were receiving data from one another, and that they, everything was working properly. They were receiving their signal. Now, as I looked up, I saw all these red lights, all these green lights, and I noticed that one of the panels only had a red light, the green light was not working. It was not on. And so I looked up, and I said, all right, Lord, here's my fleece. <clears throat> if you turn that green light on, I'll go up to the front. <laughs> and as soon as I said that, I, felt the, I heard the Lord speak to my heart, and he said, so you're going to go up there because the light turns green, but not because I told you? And as soon as that happened, I looked down. I was like, I am not going to look and see that light turn green. I just need to think. Just give me a second. I need to think. And over the next few seconds, I surrendered to what the Lord told me to. I went to the front. I knelt down at the altar, and I began not praying, but saying to the Lord. I guess I was praying, but I said to the Lord, all right, now what? And so I was embarrassed. I did not want to be there. I was uncomfortable. And the Lord started to slowly soften my heart. And he just led me to pray for my wife and for my 
four kids who were at home. Now, this is two and a half years ago, so I still have young kids. My oldest was up here singing tonight, had some incredible dance moves on the front row. <laughs> but so this is two and a half years ago, and so my twins were one, my second was, I guess, three, and then Asa was four or five years old. So my wife was home with four kids, and the Lord just led me to pray for them that night. So I prayed for a little while, and then after a little bit, I felt freedom to go back to my seat. Never really thought anything of it. This was on Tuesday night. Never thought anything of it, and I just thought it was what it was. It was just a test of obedience from the Lord. So I get home, and life is crazy, as you can imagine, with four kids. And me and my wife don't even really have a chance to kind of debrief from that night. And until Thursday night, we were going to our life group, which meets at uh, home of Jeff and Sharon Arnold on Thursday nights. And we're driving out there, and we started talking about Tuesday night. I said, how was your night Tuesday? How did it go with the kids? Did, did they do well? And she said, we had not talked anything about the night. She had not heard what the Lord had told me to do or, or praying or whatnot. She said, you know, she said, everything about the night was just set up to go really poorly. She said the kids hadn't napped. They're, they're just, you could just tell everything was on edge. She's like, but I don't know how to explain it other than, I mean, it was just an incredible night. I don't know how to explain it other than it felt like there was somebody on their knees praying for us. And in that moment, the Lord said, you know, I didn't have to show you that. I didn't have to show you why I asked you to pray, to kneel and to pray. But I realized in that moment that the Lord was very gracious to pull back the curtain on what he was doing and show me why he had asked me to pray. See, I fully believe that night and other side of Nashville when I went in, in obedience and knelt and prayed that the Lord sent his angels and gave his angels charge concerning my wife and my kids to guard and to protect them in all of their ways. And I think things were different in Bartlett that night because of what I had done in obedience on the other side of Nashville. Now, I don't get it right all the time. I get it wrong a whole lot more than I get it right. But here's the thing. The Lord doesn't always show us the result of our obedience, but we can trust that when we obey the Lord, that he has good purpose and good plan for what he's asking us to do. And we know that when we walk with the Lord, the Lord's not always going to give us two days later a direct understanding, a picture of why he told us to do something. But we can know that he is good and that he is working even when we can't see. And so why would we not want to walk with the Spirit? We can trust him. Why would we not want to abide in Jesus? Why would we not want to pray to read and listen to God's word and to obey what he tells us to do. It will always be good. When we sow to the Spirit, we reap eternal life from the Spirit. But when we sow to our flesh, we reap death and destruction. So here's my challenge to you tonight. This is a challenge to every single one of us. See, there are areas in your life, I don't have to know you, I don't have to know what your life is like to know that there are areas in your life where the works of the flesh where they show up more often than they should. And there are areas in your life where the fruit of the Spirit is a little more absent than it ought to be. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. Walk a little more closely with the Lord this week. If you pray, spend a few extra minutes in prayer. Walk with Jesus a little closer tomorrow than you did today. Love him a little bit more tomorrow than you did today. When you read your Bible, if if you found yourself getting out of the practice of reading God's word, take time tomorrow. Really read God's word and listen to what his Holy Spirit says to you. And then when he speaks, obey. Because he is worth it and he will always do what is right on our behalf. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited 
to be back. This is our last night for the chapel for service. We'll be back in, on January 10th, I believe, is that second Wednesday night. So it's hard to believe that a week from tomorrow is Thanksgiving. I was telling Sam a minute ago that I can't believe it's Thanksgiving already. But here we are, and so we have Thanksgiving and Christmas break and a great time at the church to celebrate. I hope you'll join us and be back in January. In January 10th, we're going to begin a study on Psalm 23. We're going to look at the Lord is my shepherd. I want to close tonight by, by reading Psalm 23 and, and giving you a little taste of what we'll talk about beginning in January. The Bible says, Psalmist David wrote, that the Lord is my shepherd. Now, I want you to remember, those. I know you know those words, but really remember those words in light of what we're about to say. Because everything else that he writes in this passage is only true because of those words at the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Because the Lord is his shepherd, David had what he needed. Because the Lord was David's shepherd, he could say, he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Because the Lord is my shepherd, even when I go through the darkest valley, I will fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Because the Lord is my shepherd, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Only goodness and only faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Now, if the Lord is your shepherd, those things are true for you as well. If the Lord is not your shepherd, if you have never come to the point in your life where you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have followed him, then everything we've talked about tonight praying to the Lord and listening for his voice and obeying, none of that's going to make sense to you. So if you're in a place in your life where you just do not hear the voice of God, you've never heard the voice of God in your heart, you've never given your life to him, you've never repented of your sin, you've never believed in Jesus, and that he died for you, and that he was buried and he rose from the dead, and that you've never received him into your life as Lord and Savior, please do not leave here tonight without talking to me or to Sam We would love to tell you what it means to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'll pray for us and we'll be dismissed. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that even though our flesh is pulling at us every day, that when we walk with the Spirit, that you produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that even though we have broken sinful natures, that those things are possible for us in this life and that we can live, as you said, a full, abundant life. Pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to walk with you, to abide with you this week. Lord, I pray that tomorrow that we would walk with you more closely than we did today. Lord Jesus, that tomorrow we would love you more dearly than we even did today. And Lord, that you would speak to us as we speak to you as we pray Lord, and as we read your word, that we would hear your voice and that you would speak to each one of our hearts. And then, Lord, give us the faith to obey and to do what you've called us to do. We thank you for being so good to us. Be with us as we leave here today. And Lord, through Thanksgiving and through Christmas, I pray, Lord, that you would be with each person here, that you would supply all of their needs. Lord, some of them will be walking into hard family situations. Lord, I pray that you would give them 
words of wisdom, that you'd help them to walk according to your spirit, and that they would display the fruit of the spirit in those hard situations. Lord, I pray for those who will be experiencing an empty seat this holiday season for the first time due to the loss of a loved one. I pray that you would comfort their hearts and their souls in Christ Jesus. Lord, that you'd give them a peace that passes all understanding, that you'd guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. We thank you that even in the darkest valley that we will fear no evil because you are our shepherd. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.